0: I want to talk about Jesus again this morning and um, a little different way we've studied last week about Jesus being the author of, of our eternal salvation and him being the high priest and the Lamb of God and the line of the tribe of Judah among other things. And this morning though, I want us to to look at something about Jesus. I want us to begin by looking at Matthew 22, verses 41 and 42, where it says, While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. So that's what we want to look at this morning. We want to look at attitudes toward Christ, what people think about Christ. And there are all kinds. And this is not exhaustive, but this is uh, maybe indicative of some of, the re- uh, some of the ways that people today would look at the Christ. And I want us to turn to Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 1, and in ver- chap- verses 18 through 32, let's just look at some things from that for just a couple minutes. Romans 8, verse, uh, Romans 1, verses 18 They do not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their hearts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds, and four footed animals, and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve those who practice them. I want you to look, think about in verse 21, in verse 21 of what we just read, because although they know God, they do not glorify him as God. They do know that there is a God. And, um, They don't glorify him as God. And in verse 28, they do not uh, retain God in their knowledge. But in verse 32 again, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. They know there's a God. They don't glorify God. They don't retain God in their knowledge. They're just indifferent and apathetic. They just don't care. I was up at the Pines one day in the rehab talking about uh, talking. Well, I had a class, a Bible study. There were some guys in there. And one of the guys says, well, I just won't have any fun anymore. If he served God, he he would lose all the fun that he thinks he's having. He's in a rehab place, by the way. So if that makes much sense, I don't get it. But anyway, he never came back to the class. He never came back. and But that's the attitude. It would be too restrictive of people, they think, to uh, and it would for that type lifestyle. In Luke chapter 8, Luke chapter 8 and verses 5 and 12, in the parable of the sower, in Luke's version of it, it said, A man went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. And in verse 12, those by the wayside are the ones who hear. The, who hear? Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. So that that wayside ground, uh, really that's that type of person who really just doesn't care. He, he might hear some of the gospel or some of the truth of the gospel or part of the gospel or something, but just doesn't really care. And so the, the effect then is, Satan comes and takes it away from them. they just rather not be bothered by it. In Matthew chapter 13, Matthew 13. Matthew 13, verses 10 through 17, in Matthew's version of the parable of the sower, uh, after his initial things he had to say about it, and in them, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For all, for all the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. And then verses uh, 16, and 17 says, But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly I say to you, that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see and did not see, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. So, it, So the people who are indifferent and apathetic, if they would listen to the gospel, they might see and really see, and might hear and understand. But it's been prophesied that, that it just won't happen. Hearing you will hear and, and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they've closed. That's just the way some people are toward the gospel, toward toward anything about God. They just don't want to hear it. In Matthew 12 and verse 14, Matthew 12 and verse 14, <laughs> It says, then the Pharisees went out and plotted against him how they might destroy him. So there are some who are belligerent toward Christ, if That's a, if you don't mind me putting it that way, that these men were out to destroy Jesus. In Mark chapter 14 and verse 1, the, the scribes and the Pharisees, they were plotting to put Jesus, take him by trickery and put him to death. Belligerent toward, I don't think anybody would try to uh, would try to put any of us to death right now. I don't think so. But that's they are belligerent toward the message of the gospel. They just don't want to hear it. In Psalms chapter two and verses two and three, the kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, "Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us." people are against god and his anointed that would be jesus they're against them get them out of the way break their bones uh, break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us in other words if we can get him to stop teaching if we can get his message to be not taught then that'll be good for us we won't have to hear those things christ's message condemns the world's lifestyles. It just does. And that's not what the world wants. They want freedom to do whatever they want. And therefore, anyone who teaches the truth, they'd rather not hear it. And so it's coming to the point where they are more belligerent than they used to be toward the gospel. I don't want to hear the message because if they did, And if they had to follow it, it would change their lifestyles and they're not willing to do it. In Acts chapter 26, Acts chapter 26 and verse (coughs) 9, Acts chapter 26 and verse 9, Paul is defending himself and he says, Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. He he thought that he was doing the right thing by doing everything he could to destroy Jesus. And what we find out that today, denominations really don't like Christ's message. They really don't. They would say that they're following the Lord. But by what they teach, you understand that they're not. If you compare what they teach with an open Bible, you won't find the message. In Galatians chapter 1, Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, it says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preached any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. So here's Paul writing to the churches in Galatia. He said, I marvel. I'm amazed that you're turning away so soon from the gospel of Christ. From him who called you, in the grace of Christ, to a different gospel, a different gospel, which is not another, he says. You know, Romans chapter 1 in verse 16 says, for I am not, Paul, writing again to the church at Rome, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jews first, and also to the Greek. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God. It's the power of God. But here in Galatia, he says, you're turning away to a different gospel, which is not a gospel. It's a distorted gospel. To change the gospel at all, and you take away its power. What's it have power to do? It has power to save. But when it's changed, it's not the gospel. He says here, it's a different gospel, which is not another, but they're perverting it. They're distorting it. And when it's that way, the power is gone. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 14, he talks about members who, who will follow every wind of doctrine. That they'll just go whatever they hear that pleases their ears and that's what they'll follow. That's not gospel. Every distortion, if you will, of the gospel. In Romans 10 and verse 3, The people seek to establish their own righteousness but have not submitted to the righteousness of God. Their own righteousness. And have forgotten and gone away from the righteousness which God, uh, Jesus taught. So some, many, are contrary to the gospel of Christ. In Mark chapter 4, mark <clears throat> Mark chapter four in Mark's version of the Sermon on the Mount that we we've talked three of the, three versions different versions of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew Luke and Mark Matthew Mark, and Luke but in in Mark chapter four in verse seven, he says, "And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop and then verses eighteen and nineteen, and now these are the ones sown among the thorns." They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. I think this is the most dangerous one for us. That we'll follow Christ for a while. We'll do that. But then when the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things enter in. When that happens, and it pulls us away, that's the tug of the world daily in our lives, to have everything that everybody else has, or to do everything that everybody else does. The cares of the world get in our way of doing those things, of doing what God says uh, to do, rather. And we fall away. We have a lust for the things of this life. And I believe that's our most dangerous opponent. You know, Judas betrayed Jesus for a little bit of money. And I think about that, and I've said it here before, I'll say it again. I think about Judas, one of the chosen twelve. One of the first ones that Jesus chose to be with him so he could personally teach them all that they needed to know so that they could do what he's doing after he's gone. And they have seen him teach and they've heard him teach and they've seen him work marvelous miracles in their presence and miracles that affected them as well, like the calming of the storm and they have been Judas had been given some measure of the holy spirit because they were sent out the 12 were in pairs to teach and to preach and to heal cast out demons and Jesus Judas betrayed Jesus for some money he followed Christ for a while now think about Demas as well in second Timothy chapter 4 verse 10 who Demas had been a faithful soldier uh, working with Paul for quite some time. In 2 Timothy 14, it says, Demas loved this present world. He's forsaken me having loved this present world. He's gone to Thessalonica. He just left. Faithful soldier just like Judas for quite a while. And he just loved this present world. Those things of the world, that tug is still always there. In Hebrews 3, verse 13, it says, But exhort one another daily while it is called a day, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. The deceitfulness of sin, we, it, it, it appears one way, but you really find out it's something else. That's dangerous. It's dangerous to our soul. And so we follow for a little while, and then we just give it up. And the outcome is not good. When we decide to do that, I think there's another. If we go look in Luke chapter 7, Luke chapter 7, there's another attitude toward Christ. And that's the one who's searching for him. In Luke chapter 7, verses 19 and 20, and John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to Jesus, saying, are you the coming one, or do we look for another? When the men had come to him, they said, "John the Baptist has sent us to you saying, "Are you the coming one or do we look for another? interesting question. they're looking for the right for the right Christ. Are you him, or is it somebody else? They follow for a while and or they search for him, I'm sorry. They search for him to see if he's the one. And so John or Jesus answers in verse 20. At that very hour, he cured many of infirmities, afflictions, and evil spirits, and, so, and to many blind he gave sight. Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things you have seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. I like to say it like this, if Jesus can do all these things, if he can cure people of things that have never been cured before, like blindness, I need to listen to him. If he can do that, what he says is worth listening to. It's the message, not the miracle, that saves us. In 1 Chronicles, um, Chronicles twenty-eight nine, among other things, it says, If you seek him, he will be found by you if someone wants the Lord, he'll be found. God will be found. In Acts chapter eight, verse 34, the eunuch is driving to wherever he's driving. And the eunuch answered Philip when Philip asked him, do you understand what you read? Or in other things, he said, I ask you of whom does the prophet say this of him or of some other man? Here's Here's the Ethiopian eunuch and he's reading Isaiah 53 and he doesn't understand what he's, what he's reading. Is he talking about himself or some other man? So Luke's, uh, or uh, the, the Philip says, I'll teach you. I'll tell you. I'll show you. And so that's what he did. And this man found an honest heart. That's the kind of person we need to be looking for. That's the kind of per- person that's still out there. But sometimes we don't open our ears and listen well enough, I'm guilty. Look at Deuteronomy 6, verse 20. Deuteronomy 6, and verse 20. Deuteronomy 6, and verse 20. When your son asks you in times to come, saying, What is the meaning of the testimonies, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, when he asks you when when someone asks us open door question, like these sons were asking their parents about why are you doing all this stuff? Did you tell them? And when I have that opportunity, that's my job. That's what I'm supposed to do. Tell them about Christ. They're searching. And they may not have found. So that's my our job is to help steer them in the right direction. And let's do that. There is another kind of one who are uh, disciples to the end. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. We all know who's being talked about, who's saying these things. is Paul writing to Timothy. 2 Timothy 4, verses 7 and 8, I have finished the good fight. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Finally there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Paul says, I fought, and I fought. I finished the race. He says in the verse before, he said, my departure's at hand. He knows he's going. He knows he's about to leave this life. And he understands that what's waiting for him is a crown of righteousness, which the Lord will give to him on that day. But he won't give it just to him. He'll give it to all who have loved his appearing. He's a disciple to the end. I also think of Stephen in Acts chapter 7 and verses 59 and 60, and he has had to defend himself against some accusation and he's standing before the Sanhedrin and he's talking to them about the history of the Jews and they don't like what they're hearing and they they stone him to death. They stone him. And he doesn't want this charge to be laid against them. Stephen, dying, faithful, to the end. Ephesians chapter 3 in verse 1. Ephesians 3 and verse 1. Ephesians 1 verse 3 my fault. Ephesians 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. That in Christ we have every spiritual blessing. There's nothing we don't there's nothing we lack. We have it all. Just as he chose us in the beforehand, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. We have every spiritual blessing. James 1 talks about us enduring temptations, that we're going to face them. They're going to hit, hit us in the face, and they will be a constant menace to us but we can endure temptations. We can make it through the temptations. In James chapter one and verse 22, later on in the chapter, he said, don't be a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. Don't forget what you hear, hear and listen and do. That's what we're supposed to do. We see Peter Walking on the water, in Matthew 14, verses 31 and 32, he comes out, to, Jesus is walking on the water, and he wants to go, and he asks if he can, he come on. And then when he's out there, he sees the wind. I expect he sees the waves and the effects of the wind. And he sees that, and he gets weak, and he starts sinking, and Jesus pulls him out. Jesus touches, raises him up. Because he needed help. And that's the help that he can give to us. That's our help as well. In, James, in uh, John chapter 6, John chapter 6. I've got James on the PowerPoint, but it's actually John. John chapter 6, verses 68 and 69. But Simon answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have also come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Many of disciples, Jesus' disciples had left because of the sayings that he had said. And Jesus asked him, do you want to go away too? Are you going to leave? Peter says, no, you're the, you have the words of eternal life. And we have come to believe that you're the Christ, the son of the living God. That's indeed who he is. He's the son of the living God. There's another question that we can ask, that would be, what's Christ's attitude toward us? We've, We've looked at some things for a couple of minutes each on what our attitude might be toward Jesus, but what's his attitude toward us? That's important. That's important. In Matthew 25, 12, he says, I don't know you. He's talking about those foolish virgins. I don't know who you are. In Matthew 7, verse 23, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You know who he's talking to? He's talking about, rather. He's talking about people who are religious. Lord, we've done many wonders in your name. He says, I never knew you. They weren't doing what God said. They weren't doing it right, apparently. I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. That's pretty, that's pretty tough. But if we don't do it in this life, that's what he'll say to me. If I don't, that's what he'll say to me. Or it could be Matthew five twenty one, where he says, Well done, good and faithful servant. That's what I want to hear him say about me. If, we, if, if you need to respond to the gospel in some way, whether sins need to be confessed or need to be baptized sins washed away why don't you come while we stand and while we sing